Not sure how you should use that room. Not sure if all the furniture is going to fit. Well, we are going to tackle it today with Space Planning 101. It is one of the first things I do when I'm looking at a client's space, and I'm going to talk to you all about it. So here we go. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving. In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home and how to survive the move and thrive in your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. I'm going to be launching a digital course, How to Accessorize and Style Your Home in a New York Minute. That's right, I'm bringing it to you because over the last several years, it has been one of the top requested things that I get asked. And it just so happens it's what I'm really passionate about and what I've always loved to do. I always felt like your home wasn't fully dressed until I brought in that last layer and I loved doing it. And I love styling for my photo shoots. And most of the time I bring in all the accessories and get everything styled for a photo shoot. Guess what? The client wants to keep it all. Well, I'm gonna show you my secrets, my tips, my tricks. It's gonna be in a really simple, video course broken up into modules that are going to be easy for you to get resources, solutions, and really quick wins at an affordable price, all with direction from me. So you can have your home looking like those sitting in a magazine or how I set them up for photo shoots really easily. I'm super excited. So you're going to want to get on the wait list because if you're on the wait list, you're going to be the first to know, you're going to be in the know, and you are going to be one of the ones to get the special introductory offer on the course. So to join, you can go to jillcalmaninteriors.com slash course dash waitlist. Or if you go to my Instagram profile at jillcalmaninteriors, you can get the link in bio directly there and sign up for the waitlist. There's no cost, no nothing right now. It's just to get you on the waitlist so you are privy to all the information and the special deals. I really hope to see you there. I'm so excited to bring this to you. Thank you so much. Okay, so today I would like to talk about space planning. Space planning as part of interior design is actually one of my very favorite things to do. I sort of look at it like a puzzle because it's about taking an existing space and figuring out how is it going to work best? How is it going to function? How is it going to flow? And then how is it going to look? But space planning, you know, we all have constraints by our homes, even if they were built new, even sometimes after we built them, if we're moving to an existing house, certainly. So we're constrained, but those constraints force you to be creative. And I think that's why I like it. It forces me to think of, you know, various ways to use the space and to optimize. I'm always looking to optimize space and optimize storage potentially. And in a lot of homes, that part might not have been thought out. So the space is there. It just wasn't planned out well. So it's one of my favorite things to do. And so I want to talk about it a little bit. So the first part of space planning that I'll discuss is basically rooms and how to use them. So that's your first thing with space planning. It's, okay, we've moved into this new house and there's a so-called living room, a so-called dining room, a family room, 
a kitchen, a sunroom, maybe, maybe another spare room downstairs. So is that going to be a bedroom? Is that going to be an office? So the first thing to do is look at the rooms that you have and think, how do I want to use them? I talk about this in a previous podcast called Breaking the Rules. So for example, if the house has what I'll call a traditional living room space, it was designed originally for that as such. And living rooms aren't really used in their traditional sense anymore. If you feel like that needs to be a second family room or that needs to be a lounge or whatever it may be, it's okay. So just decide. And I will say deciding that sometimes takes living in the house for a little while. A lot of my new clients are very anxious to just make sure it's all done. And I appreciate that. There's a lot to do. And There's a lot of things we can do. Sometimes there's a room though where I really advise, I think you need to live in the house first and figure out how you're going to use it. Because if you jump too far ahead too quickly and you invest in furnishings and then it doesn't work and you have to change them, you know, I, I just like to be wise about the money that's spent and how it's used. So having said that, if you either know for sure right off the bat, oh, that living room or that dining room or that room, whatever. We really need it as X. That's your first start deciding, okay, what room is what? How is it going to be used? And again, if it requires living in the house to figure some of these rooms out, I highly, highly suggest, highly, highly recommend it. It's really not going to throw you off kilter with your home design plans because honestly, if you furnish it too hastily and then it's the wrong thing, you're going to be behind the eight ball anyway and have wasted a lot of money potentially. Having said all that, once you determine how a room is going to be used, you want to consider then what is the traffic flow in and out of this room? What are the primary functions that are going to take place there? So is there TV viewing? Is it a game room? Is it an office? Does it need to have a homework station? Is it a multi-purpose room where it's going to have a desk, but also a pull-out bed or sofa so someone can sleep there? So all those considerations need to be taken into account. When I talk about flow, that's really important. How you come in, how you come out of a room. If the room has a door or sliding door out to a back deck or a pool or a backyard, you have to remember that's going to be a high traffic area, especially on se- in certain seasons. And so you want to make sure to not block with furniture or whatever furniture is placed near that entry port that there's proper traffic flow that can move in and out. That's why sometimes too living in a house is also important because you really establish what the traffic flow is, as funny as that sounds, but you do. And how you walk and how you move in a space is very critical to the design of a space. So I always like to explain that to my clients and it's always something that I take into very strong consideration when I'm designing a space. Once you've determined all of that, then making the furniture plan would be the next thing that you could do. So saying, okay, based now how we're going to use this space and the tasks that need to take place in there, here's what we need. A sectional, a sofa, a coffee table, a desk, whatever those items are, and then figuring out the proper placement and sizing of those pieces so that again, traffic flow and usage of the room works. So that's really kind of in a nutshell what it comes down to. And I'm going to be later this spring launching a course to you where I'm going to teach you actually how I do this 
and how you can do this you know, in your own home room by room. So this is different than the course that's launching in February, which is styling and accessorizing. But this is going to be really a little bit more deep dive course on all the details of how to do this. But I wanted to have a podcast about it as far as, you know, space planning and how critical it is. It's really the first thing you need to do. If you don't do this and you just run out and buy a ton of furniture, you're going to get it home and it's going to be like a jumbled puzzle where pieces don't fit, things don't fit, you aren't comfortable in the space, it's not comfortable to walk in and out of. So it's a critical part of planning for your home. And if you're someone that likes to take on tasks on your own, the course is going to be great for you to get professional advice and figure out how to do it. If you really have no clue about this, then you know you should hire a professional to help you out. Or if you have a good sense of it, just make sure that you take the time to map it out, do your measuring, and really give it some thought. Again, instead of just running to the furniture store and saying, I need a couch, a coffee table, a, you know, an end table, and a lamp. You know, you want to make sure you're buying the right things, the right size things, and they're going to fit with the plan you have in place for the room. So, you know, in a nutshell, those are kind of the two basics when we're talking about existing rooms. If one of the big eyesores in your house is cords everywhere, and now with all the charging cables to charge all our devices, cords are everywhere, and they look messy. So you're going to want to look into coily cables. Coily cables have these wonderful magnetic sections along the cord that you can keep the cord wrapped and tidy. They also come in white. They come with several adapters and in several lengths. So you are going to want to get these right away. They make everything look tidy and neat. No more mess, no more tangles. So visit the link we put down in the show notes, coilycables.com. Use code WELCOMEHOME20 and you can save 20% off your order. No more tangles with Coily Cable. Now, once we get into remodeling, renovating, building, it becomes really critical because you need to really consider, you know, is a wall or a doorway going in the right place? Is the flow of the room, is the flow of the house appropriate? And so sometimes architectural elements that you want don't always yield the most functional results. Now, that doesn't mean you you stay away from them. It's all about balance. So for example, if there were a bunch of arched doorways you wanted to put running down a hallway and some of those would lead into a room one way and some another way, make sure that traffic flow would actually work for the room is number one. Is that the way you would naturally walk in and out? Does it cause any awkwardness or blocks? And then putting a doorway, putting a window on certain walls, does that affect furniture placement? Meaning sometimes if you have, you know, too many windows or the doorway is not in the right place, all kinds of things can affect it. You know, sometimes what can happen is you can say, okay, either I want that it's really important that the furniture is set up in this space as X. And if I do this architecturally, it's going to compromise that and I don't want to. So what you do is you alter the architecture or vice versa. You may say it's really important the architecture of the front foyer look like X. And if that's the case and that affects something going on in the other room, but it still is functional, it might not be ideal, but you can still make it work and you just have to alter furniture placement to do that. It really comes down to a personal decision. But 
you have to at least get that information first in order to make an educated decision about that. So I'll give you an example. I actually just walked a client through this this past week. I'm helping them with a home and there's some architectural detail that they're adding. And the way it was drawn up, initially, I felt that there wasn't going to be a natural entry into a room that they wanted to use frequently, that they wanted maximum size furniture that they you know, could possibly seat. The room was initially designed not really to be a TV space family room, but they wanted to make it that. So even prior to the architectural plans changing, that room was a little challenging trying to get into the pieces they needed and how it should function. And then the architectural element threw another wrench in it a little bit for me because I was trying to figure out, well, how are we going to accomplish all of this? So what did we do? Well, what we did was we talked out, you know, where the architectural detail and remodel, what the benefit of that was to the space that was going into. And this room, which was adjacent to that, where would the compromise be? And I left it up to them to say, it's your decision on where you want the compromise to be. So in other words, if that architectural piece is really critical to you for a few reasons, and there were some very good reasons why it was, then just know that in that other space that's adjacent to it, you may have to compromise slightly on where to put the furniture, the sizing of the furniture, maybe how you're going to use the room, but maybe not. Okay. Or if you say, well, it's critical that room functions with this furniture in this manner, then you would have to change the architectural plan to accommodate that. So when it comes to remodeling, you know, these are things that are really important to consider and think through ahead of time. The other thing when you're doing remodels is oftentimes when we're doing bathrooms and kitchens, a lot of times we're in a situation where you can't expand further than the footprint that exists due to the zoning of the house, some other considerations, whatever. I've had several kitchens over the last year or two where that wasn't an option, yet the space they had needed to work much more optimally. So what I do is you sort of, I look at the whole space and as an entirety and I say, okay, where can we lay this out? Where is some wasted space? So there was a kitchen we did a couple years ago, not tremendous, uh, nice size, but not tremendous. It was very weak on pantry storage, ovens, dishwasher, small fridge, and had a island that was oddly shaped and almost taking up more room in the space than it needed to and not so functional. So this was a busy young family with three kids. So I noticed there was one whole corner of the kitchen that was just dead space, literally dead space. So I decided, okay, we're going to place the bigger fridge. They ended up getting a fridge probably two and a half times size what they had there, rebuilt a new island. The island allowed us to add a second dishwasher. So now they came from one dishwasher to two dishwashers. Plus, they even got fridge drawers in that island for extra refrigeration. The stove, because we reconfigured the wall where there was sort of like an odd pantry and existing appliances, I remapped that out. And so they got a big stove with an oven and a half plus a wall oven where the old pantry was. So they doubled their oven space and cooktop space. 
We didn't sacrifice any counter space. They gained a cabinet with a coffee station. And the pantry went into this adjacent closet, almost like a utility closet that really also wasn't being maximized. So again, it's just a matter of looking at a space and saying, well, we could take this space and fit a lot more in here, potentially. There was another kitchen that was really a smaller galley kitchen almost, I would call it. The refrigerator was completely in the wrong place. That sort of cooking triangle that you hear about, you know, the kitchen was way away from everything else and not convenient. And as someone who cooks, I knew that was the first thing that had to move. So that came out. That whole area became a huge pantry space. The fridge went into a corner where there was dead cabinet space again. The island was rebuilt to hold a microwave speed oven. Uh, Oven was put in where the original one was, but was bigger. And again, they didn't lose counter space. They didn't lose pantry space. They gained extra oven, extra cooktop, a bigger fridge, and a space that just flowed and is more functional. So those are just a couple examples of, you know, with remodeling, building, looking at plans, thinking about, okay, how do I walk through this space? How am I going to use this space? How is it going to be utilized? So space planning is really, really key in your very initial design process. And it's something to even think about when you're looking at a new house and walking through, start to kind of formulate, oh, you know what? This could be an office. This could be a guest room. This could be whatever. And utilize it in the way that works for your family and your lifestyle. So that's kind of my say today on space planning. It's very important. It is something, like I said, I love to do because like those kitchens that I mentioned, it was kind of about taking a space and then it's this puzzle of pieces like we need two dishwashers. Where can they go? We need a double oven. Where can that go? Now, sometimes the answer is just the constraint is such that you can only fit X and that's fine. But if there's a way to try to you know do it and maximize it, I like to and I do the same thing in bathrooms. You know, so that's also, it's really the same principle, same philosophy in bathrooms where we haven't changed the footprint at all. And we've been able to, you know, supply a bigger shower, you know, have his and hers vanities that function well, put in a water closet where the toilet is and all of those things that, you know, make things comfortable and make things nice for a renovation. So with that, what I also would like to do today is... I would like to close the show. I would like to do this the next several weeks, actually. So I have a couple questions from people that I get through Instagram. Sometimes I'll say any design dilemmas or questions that you have send to me. So I've received a couple, but I would love each week to answer at least one question at the end of each podcast that you as listeners have, or you as Instagram followers or Facebook followers have. So please make sure to feel free to DM me. You can email me. You'll find me on Facebook, find me on Instagram. And I would love, love, love more than anything to be able to take your questions. So today's question that I'm going to answer. Oh, and what's nice too is that sometimes a question comes in and several people have the same question. So it's really nice to be able to learn from others or if it's something you haven't thought about and you gain some new information. I love that idea of it as well. So please feel free to DM me because I'd love to take a question of the week, at least one at the end of each podcast and possibly answer, you know, two or three if it warrants it. So the question that I have for this week is about Murphy beds because it's somebody who has a room, they want it to be multifunctional and Murphy beds are always a wonderful solution, right? Because they 
they're basically in the wall when you don't need them, and then you can pull them down when you do. So there are a couple things you can do regarding a Murphy bed. A lot of closet companies, local closet companies in your area install them, and you can reach out to them. Sometimes with theirs, depending on the mechanisms and framing that they're using, you need a certain amount of depth in the room, and some rooms they're just not able to install. So that's something that you have to check. However, the other option that I want to mention, there's a bed called Lori Wall Bed, and it's L-O-R-I Wall Bed. Lori Wall Beds, you can find them on social media. You can go to their website. They have a Murphy bed. They're considered to be one of the most affordable Murphy beds available right now. They're priced just under $800. They are made with 100% real wood, and they have a fast, easy assembly. And actually, when I looked before, you could probably find it online. I think it said around four hours to put together yourself, and all you need is a drill. So they are supposed to be amazing. It looks like they do have specs on their website. I would definitely check those specs of measurements against you know your room and where you're putting it. The design is really nice because it doesn't have a big lifting mechanism. So that's a really nice feature of it as well. When it's closed, it's actually really cool looking. It looks just like a shelving unit and you could actually use it as that when it's not in use. So the Lori wall bed is really, I think, a good choice to look into. And like I said, you could always reach out to your closet company. And the other thing I'll mention to this person that asked, because they were just asking as far as multi-use room, if for some reason the Murphy bed doesn't work in your room, yes, you could do a sleep sofa. But there are these day bed trundle beds that what they do is it's, it looks like a twin bed and then it has a trundle mechanism under it. So a couple things happen. The trundle pulls out and it's extra sleeping for two that way where one would be on the floor and one up higher. But then what it does is it pulls up and out. And what it does is the second trundle mattress raises up to the same level as the other mattress. And then all of a sudden it's a double bed. And it's great because when it's not in use, it's just the size of a twin day bed, which doesn't take up too much room, but it can easily go to a double or a queen, depending on what size you get. They're available in different sizes. So that's a great option to look into if you don't want to do a sleep sofa. And if you do a sleep sofa, I think that what's been trending and what's been sort of said as far as comfort is the foam mattress on a wood platform versus those spring mattresses on a metal platform where the bars kind of can stick up in your back. The wood platform that pulls out from a sofa bed with a foam mattress is probably more comfortable um, for the person sleeping on it. So those are my tips for a multi-purpose room using either a Murphy bed, day bed, or sleep sofa. Again, please shoot me any questions anytime. I'd love to answer a couple on each podcast at the end of each podcast every week. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And from my home to yours, I'll see you here next week. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I really love doing it. And if you're enjoying it as much as I am, please head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review. I would love to hear from you. And I would love the support on the podcast. I happen to have on my website, if you go to jillcalmaninteriors.com, some great freebies for you. So I have your mini moving guide, and this is all the things you might not think about, some little quick tips to get you settled and on your way to moving to the suburbs. I have a home planner, which is an amazing thing to help you plan out design because interior design sometimes falls at the bottom of the list 
once you've moved in and then you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed because you haven't planned for it. So the planner helps you do just that. It's in a really easy, simplistic form. It's free to download and it'll help you reach your design goals. I also have a moving organizer. And before you move, you're gonna want to get this. This has all the checklists and all the pages you are going to need to go through your home search, find the right home, get settled, and get through all those details. And that's available on my website for $29. So head on over. There's lots of freebies and lots of things for you there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.